What happens when our faith starts to change? Deconstructing our faith is letting go of any part of whatever you believe that does not tell you that you are absolutely, unconditionally accepted, included, loved, and beloved. It can be scary and feel overwhelming, but it's one of the most beautiful things you will ever do because what remains is real and pure and celebrates who you are without condition. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday so I call you up and you call me down? Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Freed Hearts Podcast. She is... Susan Cottrell. <laughs> and I am Robert Cottrell. I thought I'd switch that up just to see if you're paying attention. I, see if you're I watched listening. you and I said what I, <laughs> I thought you wanted. <laughs> and we are so glad to be with you today. Uh, we're going to talk about what happens when your faith starts to change. Uh, and in this uh, podcast, we comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I think we're going to do that today. Uh, and remember, email us questions if you have things uh, that we say that you'd like to ask us more about, questions you'd like us to address, things you'd like us to talk about. Just send us an email, podcast at freedhearts.org. That's podcast at freedhearts.org. I want to start out by making a little um, statement about faith. Our goal is to change the human conversation on love and inclusion. And we can't effectively talk about that without talking about the institution of religion. So much of exclusion has come through organized religion, and that's primarily through the church in this country, and we have to talk about it. That's part of what this series, what this podcast is about. We're not trying to get anyone to have a particular faith experience. We don't want to make people come to church or come back to church. We don't want to make people leave the church. But we don't want people to be hurt by exclusion. And those who come to us in Freed Hearts and in our personal experience, most of that exclusion has come from the church in some way, has a faith element. And that's why we're talking about it. We have a wide audience at Freed Hearts. We have people who identify as Christians, people who would never identify as Christians, people who used to identify as Christians. We have atheists, agnostics, Jewish people, all kinds come to us, and we help them and ourselves find peace. If you're someone who gets triggered by this kind of talk of God or church or Jesus, if those words make you cringe, I don't blame you. I know the damage that's been done using those words. If you've been harmed in that way, I'm so sorry. You didn't deserve it. If you've been excluded by your community, by your family, I'm sorry. We do this work to try to prevent that kind of heartache and exclusion from happening. We can't talk about the harm of exclusion without talking about the faith piece. That's where people get tripped up, and we are uniquely equipped to walk people through that minefield, so we got to talk about it. And I want you to know that you're safe here. You're safe here. We talk about those things only to disarm them, to help people heal from the harm that's been done to them, and to prevent harm in the future. But you will be safe here. I promise that. So we are going to talk a lot in the coming episodes about deconstructing faith. So what the heck is that? Uh, deconstructing is taking any part of whatever you believe, whatever religion you follow, whatever your set of beliefs are, taking any part of that that does not tell you 
does not leave you feeling that you are absolutely unconditionally accepted, included, loved, and beloved. Anything that doesn't tell you that needs to go. You don't deserve it. In other words, it doesn't serve you well. And it is a lie that's meant to somehow, in some way, keep you in line. So, Susan, a lot of what we believe, a lot of the things that we are afraid to discuss or or even have called into question are things that give us security. You know what I mean? Yes. But that's how our faith grows, yeah? Yes. And it's very interesting because I think of all the people in the world you would think should maybe be fearless and adventurous and take on the world is people who think they know God, who claim to know God, right? And if and yet I have found that many times they are the most afraid, terrified um, of new ideas, of rethinking anything that they think they know, um, that they're more attached to their certainty than they are to really whatever may really be true. And so I, I just find that a dilemma in the first place. Yeah. So it's 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 like, excuse me, it's it's like, you know, we we you know, in the Christian church, you sing hymns, mighty God, and, and you know, yes. fortress is our God, and God is able to handle anything. Come as you are. But then it seems we act as if God is extremely fragile. Yes. Uh, and needs our protection in some way. And again, this is, this is however you define God, the universe, spirit, in that, um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting insight. Well, <laughs> you know, remember that there's a, um, a story in Isaiah where I think it's Isaiah where he takes a, a piece of wood and he cuts it in half and one he fashions into an idol and the other he throws into the fire. What if you got the pieces wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so essentially a lot of what we really worship is that idol that we created. We won't we don't think that. We think it's really God, but it's really how we have constructed God. So I feel like I already just jumped into the deep, deep end. No, um, that's good. But we the water's warm here. <laughs> so, but if you can't be fearless and asking questions of God and about God, then you're really not believing in God. So if if people should not be afraid of that, what should they be afraid of? Well, let me let me back that up for a second because I like that. That's a great question. I just want to say that in our broad experiences with a ton of families, it's. I was motivated to do this uh, today because we get so many letters from parents saying they're terrified that their child is losing their faith. They can even say, I accept their sexuality, but I, I'm afraid of them losing their faith, which I understand. But to really embrace a God who loves them requires a deconstruction. So if you've internalized a God who is not satisfied with you, who wants you to change, who sees you as an abomination, and we hear, sorry, that's a triggering word for people. We hear that all the time. People afraid that's what they are. Well, that needs to be deconstructed because that's not the God that we read about in the Jewish Bible, which Christians call the Old Testament, and it's not the God that Jesus showed us. 
And I'm not Muslim, but I suspect it's not really the God in the Quran either. Yeah, that's one of those things, like I said at the beginning, that that uh, if part of your faith tells you that how you are created is, is disgusting to God or an abomination, that part needs to go. That absolutely it's needs to go. It's not true. And yeah. that part needs to go. And yeah. that's, that's what deconstruction is. Yeah. And we won't say those words anymore because I think they're very triggering. <laughs> um, and for those who are Christians who are listening, you have to pay attention to the fact that Jesus never rewarded the religious leaders who could identify the sinners. He said, these are the sinners. These people don't belong. He never rewarded that. He always turned on them for condemning people and using God's name to do it. That that should be what we focus on more than anything, Mm. that we're not the ones to judge each other. We're supposed to be loving each other. So that's, a, that's another way of saying a couple. We've talked in uh, in several episodes ago about the teaching of contempt, and yes, this it's that us and them. It's us and them, and that was the group of people that Jesus got mad at. The only group he got mad at were those who were committed to the well. We are us, and they are them, and yes. we are separate. God loves us. God loves them, but maybe less. We are entitled to this. Uh, they are not entitled to that. Uh, and the us and them. Yeah, and that's the only people he got mad at, and he got really mad at them. <laughs> yeah. And the ones he hang out, hung out with and drank wine with and ate with was the people that the religious leaders were calling sinners. So that's really something to pay attention to, isn't it? Yeah, if Jesus hung out with the them, Jesus basically said, well, I'm one of them. Yeah, and the religious leaders considered him a them. So. Shouldn't that be one of the things that we really, you know, anything that's part of our faith, our Christian faith, or again, whatever faith, whatever your belief system is, if it's us and them, us versus them, that's probably one of the things, one of the key things. It is one of the key things. And it's the thing behind the teaching of contempt that needs to be deconstructed. Yes, yes. And remember that throughout history and throughout church history and religious history, really, where the religious institution resisted change, it, it was always a new idea. Everything outside the existing structure is always heresy when you first hear it. You know, Martin Luther and John Calvin, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have Protestants. We'd all be, we'd all only have Catholic, uh, Catholicism. And Joan of Arc, who, who saved the French and they burned her at the stake because of her, you know, she must be a witch. It, it was. And later made her a saint. Later, she's a saint. So, did God change or did the church? So, but these are people who saw something untrue in the church and challenged it. And then, and, and real faith has to have room for that to challenge the existing belief structure, or else you're just stuck in a, in a vacuum, an echo chamber, mm. and you can't grow that way. Yeah. And what, and we talk coming from a perspective of Christianity, that's, that's right. our base. We were leaders in that our church history. for more than 20 years. That's yeah. the language that we know. But I do know that this is uh, this kind of us, them, this kind of church history is true among all faiths. Um, and even if you're more secular in your beliefs, that kind of um, us, them, that kind of deconstruction or that kind of treatment of others is part of your history as well. Yeah, it's part of, it's it's embedded in the culture, that's right. Yes. 
And a lot of our our faith structures are embedded in the culture. Yeah. So, you know, something that I have heard yeah, um, a lot, uh, one of the big concerns that parents have when they contact us is, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my child, my, my precious gay child is walking away from their faith, walking away from God. And that's a, that's a huge concern. Yeah, so that's the thing we don't have to be afraid of. When you have internalized or, and you've been taught toxic teaching, you have to pull back from all of it in order to see what's true. Um, I had a friend of mine help me um, revamp my entire closet. This was like 15 years ago. And she pulled everything out. I was like, no, not that, no. And, and we went through all these things. And honestly, there was not a whole lot that we put back in. It's her fault. I would have kept much more. <laughs> And there were a couple of things I sneaked back in, but, and then I ended up getting rid of them because she was right. She could see what I didn't see. But you can't just redo your closet by taking out a thing here and a thing there. You have to pull it out so you see what you've got. But you're not going to end up without any clothes. You, you will be dressed when you leave the house. And probably in things that you look at yourself and go, damn, <laughs> <laughs> much I look be- good I, in this. I looked so much better after that <laughs> revamping. It was really, really good for me. But don't be afraid of that process. It, if you short circuit it, then you're not going to get the overhaul that you were hoping for. And when our kids have been filled with toxin in our religious communities, They have to step back and say, hold on, I don't think I believe any of this. Okay, that's the thing to do for a time. And then God is a very big God. Whatever needs to come back will come back. Right. Do we trust God enough at that point? You who, who say that you're, you know, God is everything to you. Well, is God big enough? That mighty fortress, all of those things. Yeah. I've always heard that the very first time a parent ever said that to, to me eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, I always heard it differently. I always heard it as, well, they're not walking away from God. They're walking away from the God that they have been taught. Yes. Uh, again, the lie that says that they're less than or whatever that is, not good enough, not beloved, uh, and walking towards the truth. So I, I never, I've never heard that as a bad thing. I've yes. heard that as great that journey of yes. deconstruction has started. They're walking oh. away from that piece of wood that, that's been cut in two and held up as a god. And it's funny because a lot of the times the LGBTQ person in the home will lead in that and parents will follow. Yes. When we hear that now coming from parents, I wish, oh, I'm so glad that your child's doing that. Are you gonna, how long are you going to wait until you begin that yeah. journey as well? So when Annie started this journey, they were going to an Episcopalian church. I was like, Episcopalian, but we're evangelical. It really kind of shook me to the core. But, you know, I have to trust Annie's journey. And the more I, the more we deconstructed, the more I saw that, oh, they are, they are faithful people too. They're Christians too. And, and it, it just, my whole aspect got so much bigger for so many more people to be around the table than I, than I even knew I was excluding. So it's not something to be afraid of, not to mention, and we say this all the time, that we are kinder, more loving, more, we look more like 
Jesus, um, Moses, <laughs> um, Muhammad, I, I'm betting, than we ever did before when we were busy judging people and our, didn't even know it. Our heart becomes bigger. Our table becomes bigger. Yes. God becomes bigger. Yes. And God was always, always that big. We are finally able to see it. And if you say you trust God, but you're not trusting this deconstruction, then it's really not God you're trusting. It's the institution that you're trusting. And your kids are right. Our kids are right. When they say, no, I'm, I'm not interested in an institution. What is that? Marriage is a great institution, but who wants to live in an institution? Whoever <laughs> said that? Yeah. Well, you often have food story uh, in these in these podcasts. <laughs> we had a story about Chinese food on Christmas and yes. other things. And yeah. and I do you have a food story? I have two food stories. <laughs> I, so, I knew you'd have food stories. <laughs> when I was you know working my way through college, uh, Dad helped me too. But I worked at a donut place and I worked at a pizza place. And we were just talking uh, last night. We had the kids on. over. Yum. <laughs> Yes. That's a meal right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's the point of the story. That's the point of the story. Right. So what happened when I worked at both of those places, I ate all all the donuts and all the pizza I could take during those times. We were allowed to. (laughs) And I got so sick of both of those that I didn't want anything to do with them again, for a long time. And after maybe 10 years, I got my pizza taste back. And I can enjoy a good pizza now really well, but, that's, but I still don't like donuts. Um, and, and the point being, what is true, and pizza is, is empirically better than donuts, what is true will come back. And you don't have to be afraid of that. But when you're saturated in something that is not true, that's not good for you, um, that's hurting you, you have to pull back from it for a long time to let it settle and get out of your system. And sometimes I think, first of all, you lost me at too much pizza and donuts, but (laughs) I'm sure that our listeners followed you from that point on. But when we're living in that box, boxed Christianity, the boxed church that we've talked about before, where we're, we have this, these beliefs and, and we assume them all to be true, then when you have something that doesn't fit, that doesn't taste good, that makes you feel less than, you assume it's you. Yeah. But once you open that box, and that's why the institution of religion works so hard to keep the boxes sealed. That's why there are eight churches on every square mile or whatever it is. And and is that we have to define our box and we have to make the rules such that you stay inside your box and it's us and them. And them might be just right across the street um, or a continent away. But once you open your box, then you realize, wow, that belief didn't suit me at all. And I feel so much better about myself God is so much more, again, bigger, approachable, life-giving than I ever thought possible. I think the institution and the leaders of the institution are afraid of us opening in the box because they become 
expendable. You know what I mean? If I can access God fully myself and gather with a community of believers around the kitchen table or whatever and enjoy fellowship, then what do I need the institution for? I'm not saying leave your institution, do do you do whatever's right for you. But if your kids are leaving the institution, but they have fellowship, isn't that valid? Um, you you saw you came across some kind of a massager on the on an I don't know somewhere a big commercial or whatever, and you were, it was like seventy bucks on sale for seventy bucks, and you thought I'm going to check straight through you know directly without going through this uh, vendor, and it was like twenty bucks. Okay, so you didn't need that middle person, and I think that's where a lot of the panic of our institutions comes from is if you avoid the middle person, you're not paying that middle person, then you you can access what you need on your own. We we should yeah. be able to, or else it's just not really a lie. It's a, I mean, a, a true thing. It's a country club. And we've, and we've, and again, if you go down that route, then the risk is you'll be isolated. You'll be rejected. You'll be kicked out of community. You'll be kicked out of fellowship. You'll, you'll lose your place in the church. You'll lose your standing with God. That's the message. And that kind of fear is intimidating. It's in, it's intimidating. We've said a lot that there's tremendous freedom and joy once you open your box. Just take a step out. Uh, it's 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 more fulfilling and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. Just take that first step. And and God is not afraid of the deconstruction. God, God is not afraid. No, God is it. big enough. God's big enough. God's really big. Read some of the hymns you sing or the worship songs you sing on a Sunday morning or Saturday. <laughs> um, the writer Neil Gaiman said that characters, he, he said, characters get what they need, not what they want. And I love that, that they have kind of a voice of their own. They're getting what they want, not what they, or what they need, not what they want. And I think that's true with us in our religious institutions, that we, what we want is everything to stay safe and locked down the way I feel comfortable, where I have certainty and I already know how everything works. But what we need is a shakeup of our understanding. That's really what is happening. Yeah, we don't need to, you know, God does not need us to, to protect our children ourselves from deconstruction. Whatever is really true about God, whatever is true about God will come to the surface. Yeah, I mean, we have been up and down the hills and valleys of this journey. We've seen where kids have been and what it's cost them to be in the churches that they've been in, with the families they've been in. Uh, And we really care about these kids. I really care about these kids and their their emotional well-being. And I want to help them. And I want to help families to embrace their kids and embrace the deconstruction. And nobody that I've worked with has come back and said, I'm sorry I deconstructed. That was a mistake on my part. It's always been, gosh, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Always. 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 Yeah. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to become kinder and more loving and more inclusive and more joyful because that is what will happen. Yeah, so we're going to continue talking about deconstruction in the episodes ahead. And we know that it can be scary. But 
It's one of the most beautiful things you will ever do. Because what remains is real and pure and celebrates who you are, celebrates who your children are. It delights in you, includes you without condition. So please stay on the journey. And if we can help, please just reach out to us. And if if you're a parent who has not emailed me about getting in our, our Facebook groups, please do. We've got a community for you online that's very supportive, and it'll really make your journey more joyful and easier to navigate. And that's true for LGBTQ people as well. Yes, it is. So again, we have extensive resources and vibrant community. Just reach out. If we can help, reach out to us at freedhearts.org. And remember, above all else, love. But remember, you are beloved. See you next time. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www.freedhearts.org. Just come say hello. And if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast, things you'd like us to talk about, reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, our the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner. And you can find out more about her at heystsinner.org. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform. And thanks for listening.